So my name is Mike, and I am proud and pleased to be one of the pastors here. Um, I don't know why they did that. They're probably rethinking it, but um, glad to be here. And uh, I am following up on a message that was begun last week uh, by Gary, uh, Gary Stokes. And you will remember, hopefully, because I know all of you were here and all of you were paying attention and taking notes, uh, that Gary's main message, I think his main point, uh, was that when we look at these verses, that you cannot follow the, the precept of loving God and then turn around and ignore your neighbor. It's not one or the other, it's both and. And so we're going to pick up on that. We're going to pick up where he left off. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 58, um, and in this case, verses 9b through 14. <clears throat> now, as I understand this, the book of Isaiah, uh, the theme of the book is revealing God's judgment of and his salvation for those he has chosen to be his representatives in the world. And that's important because like the children of Israel. Are you guys hearing that? Yeah, okay, all right. I'm sure we'll work it out. So this is important because like the children of Israel, we too are chosen to be representatives of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we replace the children of Israel. It just means that like them, we are brothers and sisters of those who have faith in the one true God. So the problem is, is we could read these verses, we could look at these texts, and we could very quickly think that God is just being a pain about something, some silly rules that nobody else really cares about. We could look at these verses and easily perceive God as being a bit... Um, strident, a bit overwhelming, kind of scornful. In fact, kids, if you could help me out here, give me your best, I'm not happy with you look. I like that one. That's good. So if we read too fast, we, we will miss the true heart of the Father being revealed in these texts. If, but if we read carefully, we will see that this chapter really highlights what might have been and what may still be for the people of Israel, and perhaps more importantly, for us, IRL. Did you catch that? Yeah, I'm kind of cool that way. I got my social media quips. I'm good. In real life. In real life, yes. So... But that's why we're here, right? Because uh, it, if it doesn't help, right? If it doesn't help us, and, and let's be honest, if it doesn't help me, then it's really just a bunch of interesting or maybe not so interesting trivia, right? What's in it for me? <clears throat> so the good news is that in our text today, it gives us something. Because embedded in these verses is the secret sauce that many people search for and many people try to create on their own. So kids, 
what I want you to do is I want you to take out your um, handout and you will be able to figure out what the secret sauce is. The adults will have to wait while I bore them until I get to it. But you get to practice on your handout. The secret sauce. It, it, this is something that's often missing, right? Excuse me, uh, that people often miss the boat and end up feeling abandoned and misused with. So we know from last week that the chapter starts with God calling out his servant Isaiah. He tells them to shout out. He tells them to announce to my people their rebellion. God accuses the people of Judah, the people of Israel, of acting, of acting as if they value God in his ways, while at the same time they practice behaviors that were opposed to his ways. Not only that, but they demanded, they demanded that God bless them and care for them as if they were those who were cherished and highly favored. So here's what's going on. The, the Israelites had history and they had promises from God, but their reality wasn't living up to those promises. In the same way, many of us suffer the same malady. We read the book, we bought the t-shirt, we listened to the podcast. But it's not lining up with the way we thought it would. It, it kind of goes like this. I do this, and then you, God, will do that. I'll behave in this way, and then you, God, will behave in a particular way toward me. Right? It's a quid pro quo. That's the way it works, right? However, God, God tells us in these verses that that is not how it works. So for Israel and for us, the issue was that their outward performance did not match their inward heart. Their outward performance did not match their inward heart. It, it reminds me of a story of a mom and her son in the car. And they're getting ready to take off. They're going to go to the store or something. And, you know, wisely, mom says, hey, you got to sit down in the back seat. Let's buckle up. Right? But the kid's like, no way, Jose. I'm having fun. As you might imagine, there's some back and forth and maybe the promise of more harsh discipline in the future. But the kid relents. He says, All right, okay, I'll sit down. But as he's settling in, he defiantly says, it may look like I'm standing up. Excuse me, it may look like I'm sitting down, but inside, I'm standing up. And that's what the Israelites were doing. And that's what we do. Israel was kneeling. They were putting on sackcloth and ashes. They were bowed before the Lord, but on the inside, they were standing up. In the same way that as a country, as a church, Big C, and oftentimes we as individuals, we do the same thing. We give tithes or offerings 
You show up on Sunday, go to a small group most of the time, suggesting that we too are bowed before the Lord, but on the inside, very often, we're standing up. We stand with the people of that time and say, like, come on, God, ain't that enough? I'm doing my part. Why aren't you doing your part? We all want the blessings. We all want the blessings, at least more than we're currently experiencing. So what are we to do? First, we have to recognize that how we live reveals the reality of our relationship with the living God. How we represent our king in our acts and our omissions reveals the margins of our faith. Here, God reveals to us again that going through the motions does not incur his blessing or favor. Did you figure it out yet, kids? The secret to blessing is to be the living expression of the heart of God towards those he has chosen to love. Long word, long sentence. The secret to blessing is to be the living expression of the heart of God toward those he has chosen to love. The verse says, is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of injustice? So we have to ask ourselves, where do we see systems at work that cause harm to others? We have to figure out how does my life intersect with those systems. The verse says we're to undo the straps of the yoke. Ask yourself what burdens of cultural expectation do you labor under or cause others to labor under? You know, like you have to dress a certain way. You have to drive that car. You have to use a certain language to let the oppressed go free. That's a deep one, huh? Where do you see oppression and where do you have influence, be it near or far, to affect change? It could be who you vote for. It could be what legislation you support. It could be financial assistance or, more importantly, physical presence to the oppressed person in need. I got to say that we here at Palo Alto Vineyard do a really good job on the financial side. And let me, let me back up. I, I said we at Palo Alto, I'm talking about Mike, okay? So, we at Palo Alto do a good job on the financial side, but you know what? We need to up our game on the physical presence side. It's easy from afar, right? It costs a little more to be physically in the mix. 
to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them? So again, we have to ask ourselves, do I live a lifestyle that attends to the needs of those who struggle with housing or food to eat? Finally, it says, and not to hide yourself from your own kin. That's kind of an, an obscure one. That, depending on who you talk to, um, many think this refers to simply kin or basically human beings. Anyone who's like you is your kin. Others feel it refers to the custom in Israel of tending to one's actual family. That is, there were rules set in place to make sure that property stayed within a family clan. And that meant, that there was a lot of weird stuff there. That, that meant like if your brother uh, passed away, you know, you as a dutiful brother would marry his wife to make sure things stayed within the family. Um, there were other things that they would do in order to make sure that if you were the clan of Judah, those things stayed in the clan of Judah. And so some think that this is his response to that because there were places in the Bible where people refused to do what God required them to do to see that that happened, and he was not pleased. This is the heart of God. And not surprisingly, it's also the heart of Jesus. We're told in 1 John 2, 6, that Whoever says, I abide in him, meaning Jesus, ought to walk in the same way as he walked. In the interest of time, I won't read it, but Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46 are even more critical because he tells us there, Jesus tells us there, that what separates the sheep from the goats what separates those who get to enter in to his salvation and those who don't is what they did or did not do to those who were homeless, to those who were hungry, to those who were imprisoned. There's not one mention of speaking in tongues. There's not one mention of words of knowledge. There's not one mention of healing. What did you do with the least of these? That's what he's looking at. That's what he's looking for. You have a story that the angels in glory can't tell. We're told in the book of Revelation that roughly a third of the angels rebelled against God with Satan. And according to the record that we have, there's no indication whatsoever that God has ever offered them redemption. Who does he offer redemption to? Us, feeble, rebellious human beings. That's who he offers redemption to. And the only thing he asks of us is to represent him well. That we follow his heart 
as we inhabit the world around us. Specifically, that we care about the things that he cares about. What does he care about? He cares about giving love and care for the marginalized, the other, whoever they may be, wherever they may be. That's what he cares about. So who's that for us? It might be immigrants, it could be refugees, it could be people of color, it could be the unhoused, or those living in poverty, <laughs> those who drive what uh, our daughters used to call a hoopty, not your late model cars, a hoopty. If we want to be blessed, we need to look to those who are marginalized and shut out by society because God is predisposed to the poor and the marginalized. He favors and desires those who are disregarded by society. So if you want to be blessed, if you want the favor of God on your life, it's not rocket science. You've heard this before. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Again, the secret to blessing is to be the living expression of the heart of God towards those he has chosen to love. The question remains, though, what are we to do? How are we to be and to be who and what the Father desires us to be. How do we go about loosing the bonds of injustice? How are we to help the oppressed to go free? Uh, those are huge blocks, and they're huge concerns in the world today. Um, how does little old me deal with those kind of issues? The other day, I heard a former... WNBA player, women's basketball. So say that some of the best advice she got from one of her coaches was, you better figure it out. And that's the thing. That's, it's the same with us. That's what's important for me. I have to care enough to figure it out. It's been up to this point, again, I'm talking about me, up to this point, I frankly have not cared enough to figure it out. I've recognized it. The problem's there. Something needs to change. But personally, I had not cared enough to figure it out, to figure out my peace. And I think... I'm not that different from many of you. We need to figure it out. We need to find our way of serving and contributing to those God wants to favor.
So at the very least, we can become advocates, we become supporters uh, of the poor and the oppressed. Um, the very least, if we are blessed, we need to bless others. It's about our doing, as one person said, profound but simple acts of service and having the courage and dedication for the cause of our King. Profound and simple acts of service. You and I will not solve hunger in the world. You and I will not solve poverty in the world. I can't do that, but I can do this. And because I can't do that doesn't absolve me from doing this. So that's it. You want to be blessed? Now you know what you need to do. I want to leave you with something to read. Um, two things to read, in fact. One is Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption. Many of you have heard of this. It's by Brian Stevenson. It's a true story. It's about one attorney who works to defend the most desperate in need, revealing um, systemic injustice uh, in the judicial system, working again with women and children who are trapped unfairly in the criminal justice system. That book will help you to understand the ways the system is formed that actually works unjustly against people. The second book is Compassion, Justice, and the Christian Life, Rethinking Ministry to the Poor by Robert Lupton. Now, Lupton asks questions and gives advice about what it costs to actually serve, right? What it, the issues you run into when you decide to be physically present, right? There's a cost to be paid. I remember years ago, uh, we, had, we had invited, um, there, was, there was a guy that I worked with, they were having trouble. We invited he and his family to live with us we had to move our daughter out of her bedroom. And so he and his wife and his kid were in one of the daughter's bedroom. And, you know, everything was great until they started putting locks on the doors. <laughs> you know, started leaving stuff. You know, it's just like, okay, we need to rethink this, right? Uh, it all worked out. But the point is, is that oftentimes it ain't easy. It costs something to be physically present with people in need. So this talks about that and, and shows you uh, things you need to be aware of and how you might respond in a good way. Um, something to pray. Okay? Again, we can't do everything, but we can't do nothing. We can't do everything, but we can't do nothing. So. Ask God to show you the suffering you've missed while inhabiting your space. That's a tricky one because we go about doing our thing, you know. We're focusing on our to-do list. You know, I got to get the car washed. I got to get that report done. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we miss the suffering that's happening all around us. Ask God to reveal that to you. Ask God to show you how the systems that you deftly operate in affect others not situated as well as you. 
Right? How is the mortgage system set up that works well for you, but forces others out of the market? How are loan rates set up in such a way that works for you, but causes another person to pay 5% more? Finally, ask God to show you how you specifically can aid the marginalized. Again, we can't do everything. We all have a disposition towards certain things. You got to figure it out. Ask God to show you how you can specifically aid the marginalized. And finally, something to do. This will surprise you, I know. Sign up to serve during Compassion Weekend. So there's a QR code on the flyer on your table. Pop it open, look through, and choose one. And here's the thing, not everything on the list may be your cup of tea. I love you, but so what? We can't do everything, but we can't do nothing. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we, we really do want to serve you. We really do want to honor you. We really do. But sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would free us from our self-occupation, our self-absorbedness. Give us eyes to see those around us who are suffering and in need. Change our hearts, Lord, and help us uh, to be willing to respond in ways that require more from us than just mere assent. Help us to be willing to pay the cost of representing you well. And I gotta say, Lord, I, I ask your forgiveness because I haven't represented you well in this area. I haven't. And so, Lord, I ask your forgiveness for that. Then I repent of that. And I choose to do more. Help all of us, Lord, to do more. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.